Amen, amen. BSBC, what's good? Let's try that one more time. BSBC, what's good? All right. Well, it is an honor and privilege to be able to be here this morning uh, to, 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 to preach and to share the word, something I have the privilege and honor, honor to do. Um, as Pastor Caleb said, uh, yeah, we're really good, good friends, and from time to time, he'll have me come out and be able to share the word with you. And um, I come from downtown Phoenix, Roosevelt Community Church, me and my sis, uh, Crystal, um, as well as my wife, and I got a couple other people here that followed me here. So uh, I'm excited to be here this morning. Listen, let me just go ahead and, uh, yeah, let's, let me pray, um, and then we're just going to dive in, because uh, we're in your guys' sermon series, uh, The Rhythm of Faith, Lessons from the Spirituals. It should be noted, though, that this is a, a collaborative, a, a conjunction type of sermon series that Roosevelt's doing, you guys are doing, as well as Missio Dei Tempe. So all three of our, uh, our churches, we're kind of doing this uh, to, to, together. And over the next few weeks, you hear about different spirituals um, that has a lot of good teaching. A lot of good doctrine, a lot of good theology that's actually in them, and hopefully they will help us be able to have a rhythm of faith. Amen? Well, let me pray, and then we're going to dive in. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for who you are. We give you all of the praise and all of the glory. I'm so excited that we get to just be here in your presence and for you to be with us. Emmanuel, God with us. So we thank you, Lord, that you have come to dwell uh, with your people. I pray for those who are here in person, also for those who are participating and tuning in online and on the live stream, wherever they may be, in their kitchen, in their, on their couch, with their children, in their office, uh, in their living room, Lord. Uh, we're glad that we can be able to, to, to hear your word. So as I always ask, Lord, please, please hide me behind the cross so that your word is proclaimed, because ultimately, Lord, we want to glorify you, we want to edify your church, and we would like to advance your kingdom. In Jesus' name, we pray, amen, amen. Well, let me start off by uh, just giving you uh, maybe uh, some context and, and, and maybe asking you a question. Uh, imagine you were a slave back in the early days. Uh, imagine you could not read or, or write. Imagine you were an individual have, who have seen and experienced um, tremendous amount of trauma from, from being be beaten, from being whipped, from having your friends and family, even experiencing that collective trauma uh, t together. And also imagine that the way that you got through... <laughs> The way that you were able to get through everything that has happened to you were through songs, were through hymns, were through spirituals. Uh, imagine these, these songs and these spirituals also taught you and they guided you and directed you on what you should believe, on the character of God. Even in the midst of suffering and chaos, imagine you were like 
some of the slaves of old. This song, this spiritual that Crystal sung for us, Wade in the Water, uh, is a song that, that helps. It gives guidance and in, in, in direction to some extent. Uh, the Negro spiritual Wade in the Water, whose lyrics was published in the 1901 edition of the New Jubilee songs sung by the Fisk Jubilee singers. Legend has it that Harriet Tubman, um, many of you know Harriet Tubman, she's known as the, the, the female version of, of Moses because she was an individual who helped free the slaves. Um, and, and legend has it that she actually instructed slaves to wade in the water, <laughs> to travel through the water to escape for their, their freedom. Some of you may be asking, why run through the water? Well, the word wade has this meaning to uh, walk with purpose, to walk with effort. In fact, Tubman actually even said that she would have freed many more slaves if the slaves knew that they were actually slaves. This idea of waiting has this intentionality to walk with purpose. And um, typically what would happen was um, there would be dogs and, and, and bloodhounds, and as the slaves would run away, um, these dogs would chase after them. They would try to capture the runaway slaves, and they did that by, you know, looking at the footprints and, and, and sniffing their scent to try to get them back to their, their masters. The idea of wading in the water is actually encoded with actual directions because when you wade in the water, when you walk along the water, the dogs actually lose your scent. So this encoded inscription, this encoded directions uh, was also at play with not just this spiritual, but also um, a bunch of other spirituals that you will hear about. Dr. Melver Colston says, African-American spirituals are considered the first distinctive music genre of African people in the American diaspora. If you think about the, the water image, water is, a, is, is very uh, essential in African-American spirituals. Water has this primary, is a primary aspect of the slave experience. Africans began their bondage in, in, in slavery through the, the, the Middle Passage, the, 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 the Middle Passage traveling across the ocean on water <laughs> to a new land on slave ships. Water has this significant role even in, in, in the Bible. When you think about water, you think of what? Baptism. Think about cleansing. You think about new life. And these, in this lyrics, in, the, in these lyrics here, there are two biblical passages that we'll look at: Exodus fourteen twenty-one through thirty-one, and we'll also look at John five one through nine. So, if you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and open them up or turn them on. First, we're going to look at Exodus fourteen twenty-one through thirty-one. There are a bunch of different themes that is in this spiritual, but we're only going to look at two. And the themes that we'll look at, and hopefully we can uh, admire and we can actually learn from, 
And I would submit to you that there's going to be at least three lessons from the spirituals, from this spiritual in particular. Three lessons from this spiritual. But the first theme is going to be deliverance. Somebody say deliverance. deliverance. Yeah, deliverance. Exodus 14, 21 through 31. Now, I've been told that um, I can't sing. In fact, I can only sing in the shower. So I'm not going to sing the lyrics to you, okay? Because we have Crystal here, and she can do it without me. But the lyrics go like this. See that host all dressed in white. God's going to trouble the water. The leader looks like the Israel light. God's going to trouble the water. Wade in the water, wade in the water, wade in the water. See that band all dressed in red, God's going to trouble the water. Looks like the band that Moses led, God's going to trouble the water. When you hear those lyrics and think about those, those lyrics, this is a reference of the crossing of the Red Sea. This is a reference of uh, the crossing of the Red Sea. This is the first climax of the great book. The great book I'm talking about is the book of Exodus. The book of Exodus is about deliverance, the deliverance of God's people under slavery and oppression because God is a, a rescuer. He is a deliverer. And the purpose of Exodus is to explain how the Israelites became slaves in Egypt in their deliverance from Egyptian oppression. The book also reveals the God whose name is Yahweh and relates how his divine presence came to dwell among his people, Israel. Exodus 14, 21 and 22 says, Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and Yahweh drove the sea back. By a strong east wind, all night it made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. See that band that Moses led? God's going to trouble the water. God's people have been in, in bondage and in, in, in slavery by, by Pharaoh, and repeatedly throughout Exodus, we see Pharaoh's heart being hardened. Pharaoh's heart is being hardened. This is, points to the supremacy and the sovereignty uh, of God in some tremendous ways. Now, some of the black Christians that were slaves that read this story or were able to read this story or maybe heard of this story, the Exodus story, that is, this was a story that really resonated with them. Uh, it had some striking similarities because they were able to see the condition of the people of Israel, but also their own condition of being in slavery and in, in bondage. It should also be noted that when we think about the 10 plagues, the 10 judgments that Yahweh issues on Egypt, it's showing that God is all-powerful and he will come to judge. 
Amen. He will come to judge. And in a lot of ways, it really showed uh, that God is great power, has great power over the Egyptians. Um, Egyptians believed in many different types of gods. They had a God for this and they had a God for that. So the 10 plagues is really a, a small flex, if you will, to show that there is no other so-called God that is a match for the God of the Bible, that is a match for Yahweh. It should also be noted that this is a physical, literal uh, exodus that is taking place here. Uh, exodus means to depart, right? So I don't want to act like this, this is a myth or this didn't happen. No, this is a physical, literal exodus that actually has taken place in, in, in history. So there's a physical and literal aspect to it, but there's also a, a spiritual aspect to it as well. It's a both and here. If we fast forward a little bit, we see in Romans 3, 23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all were born with a birth defect, that birth defect being sin. And we all have a sinful nature, and we need God's help. We need God's deliverance. We need God's re re rescuing because we're in our own bondage of slavery, specifically in sin. So there's a physical and, and, and spiritual aspect to this. But how does the story end? We sung a song that talked about victory that the band sung for us and led us in, about victory. And it talks about how the story ends. Exodus 14, 30-31 gives us the end of the story here in this text. Thus Yahweh saved Israel. I'm going to say that again. Yahweh saved Israel. So I'm originally from Philly. And back where I'm from, I've been out here for about 10 years or so, but back where I'm from, when something is so good or whatever the, or whatever the case may be, we say, I'm going to say that one more again. So I'm going to run that back one more again for y'all. Yahweh saved Israel. What did Yahweh do, the SBC? Save Israel from the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power and Yahweh used, that, that Yahweh used against the Egyptians. So the people feared Yahweh and they believed in Yahweh and in his servant Moses. We know how the story Ends. God is a deliverer. He is, is, is a savior. He rescues people in need of saving. Interestingly enough, songs has always played a pivotal role in redemptive history. Songs has always played a part of God's story to express true, biblical, historical and even theological foundations to help us believe, to help us have a rhythm of faith, and even to celebrate. We see this, if you turn over to Exodus 15, what do you have there? You have what? The songs of Moses. What is the song of Moses? The song of Moses is a song 
basically just explaining how God delivered the people of Israel out of bondage. (laughs) Interestingly, too, this song is actually sung again in the book of Revelation. (laughs) So we could say on God's Spotify or Apple playlist, he loves the song of Moses. And again, it's telling the story of how God delivered, how God delivered his people. And the people of Israel in Exodus 15 are celebrating this story. The first lesson I think we can learn from the spirituals, from from the Negro spirituals, is one, the SBC. As you listen to the spirituals, know that you're going to get biblical knowledge. When you are listening to the spirituals, or reading the spirituals, or hearing the spirituals, know that you are going to get biblical doctrine. You're going to get biblical theology. I would even say the songs that you may even listen to now, whether they're CCM songs, whether they're Christian rap songs, whatever the case may be, you're going to get biblical knowledge, hopefully. This is a quote by Yolanda Smith. It's a really long quote, but it's so good that I couldn't cut any of it out. So listen. Embodied in the spirituals, the Bible can serve as a source of education that embraces, for instance, the value of the oral tradition. Enslaved Africans prohibited from learning to read and write passed on valuable life lessons from the scriptures and other wisdom sources through the spirituals. Slaves learned these lessons in the fields as they labored from sun up to sundown in the privacy of their living quarters and in the clandestine worship services. Indeed, for the masses of slaves who could not read, the spirituals were their channel to the word of God. The the, the spirituals, the Negro spirituals, spirituals like Wade in the Water, spirituals like Bomb and Gilead, spirituals like Swing Low, Sweet Chariot that you guys talked about last week. Spirituals were the channel to the Word of God. Isn't that beautiful? The Bible and song highlights the basic tenets of the Christian faith, love, Hope, mercy, grace, justice, judgment, death, and eternal life. Listening to the spirituals, listening to songs can really give you biblical knowledge. It can give you biblical truth in a real way. The second thing I think that we can learn from the spirituals is Learn, listen to the spirituals with the heart and with the mind of fearing and trusting God. Listen to the spirituals. Hear the spirituals with the heart and mind of fearing and, and, and trusting God. When we think about Exodus 14 and how that ends, it says that the people of Israel did what? They feared God. They feared Yahweh And they believed and trusted in him and his servant Moses. (laughs) 
See that band dressed in red? God's going to trouble the water. See that band that Moses led? God's going to trouble the water. See, Moses led the people out of bondage and, and slavery, and they gave praise to God, ultimately, because God is the one that ultimately has did it, but through his servant Moses. Listen to the spirituals with the heart and mind to fear and trust, and trust God, and trust God. The second theme, the dominant theme from this Negro spiritual is the idea of healing. Uh, it should be stated that wading the water is one spiritual that has this theme in it, and there's a whole bunch of spirituals. It's, the number is really unknown, but it's been some 6,000 or so spirituals, and a lot of them, a lot of the themes overlap, right? Healing is in a bunch of them. In fact, uh, Pastor Caleb in a couple of weeks is going to talk about bomb and Gilead, and the main theme there is healing. So you'll hear this idea of healing over and over again. But even in this spiritual here, healing is a part of it. And we're going to go to John chapter 5, 1 through 9 to, to, to see that. So go ahead, if you turn your Bibles over to John 5, chapter 5, 1 through 9, and we're going to look at healing that is also mentioned here in this spiritual. While you're turning there, John, the Gospel of John is, is an amazing book. And the book is really written so that people can believe. The author wants people to place their faith and trust in Messiah Jesus. And it has what we call an encountering theme all through the Gospel of John. The first idea is Jesus being in heaven comes from heaven to earth to dwell with his people, and they reject him, but Christ encounters the world. And then there's a guy by the name of John the Baptist who comes to take light off of himself and to put the light onto Christ. He came to bear witness about the true light. And then John the Baptist encounters religious folk. He encounters uh, Pharisees, and he's trying to explain to them that Christ is the Messiah, the awaited, anointed one that all of the people have been waiting for. Then we also see this encountering theme continues because we see John the Baptist encounters Jesus, and he even says, John 1, 29, behold, the Lamb of God who comes away to take, take away the sins of the world. John the Baptist encounters Jesus, and Jesus encounters people like Philip and, 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 and Peter and, and Nathaniel. And, and John 2, he encounters a whole bunch of people at a wedding. And John chapter 3, he encounters a religious person by the name of Nicodemus who comes to see him at night. And John 4, he encounters the woman at the well. Remember her? He encounters this woman at the well. And then in John 5, he encounters a layman, an uh, uh, invalid, uh, uh, somebody who, uh, that was disabled of some sort or, or paralyzed. This encountering theme is all 
traced out all through the Gospel of John. But here we see in John 5, 2 and 3, this is what we see specifically the healing at the pool on the Sabbath. It says, Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roof colonnades. And these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. The idea of God's going to trouble the water, as the lyric says, which is repeated throughout the spiritual, is the understanding of some type of angel that would come down to stir up the water in some type of way. And then people that needed to be healed would get in this water, and then they would be healed. That's kind of the idea here. Now, if you go to John chapter 5, verse 4, um, you'll see that that particular verse is actually omitted. It's not there in your, in your Bibles, or it may have a footnote next to it, or it's bracketed to some degree, and it gives you some reasoning of why that verse has been taken out. Um, for those that don't know, um, the verse has been taken out because um, it's not contained in our earliest um, Greek manuscripts, okay? Um, this Bible that I have right here and that you have, it didn't just uh, fall out of heaven <laughs> all wrapped up the way that we have it uh, today. In some ways, that would have been much easier to explain, um, but God didn't do it that way. It's a whole long process to develop the what we would call the canon or uh, the, the list of books that we deem as authoritative for life and, and, and godliness. Um, there was a long process, okay? And this is beyond the scope of the sermon, but just follow me for a second because I want to give you some rationale and context as to why uh, we have this understanding of angel coming down to stir up the water, Let's just say that the Bible uh, was finished uh, around 95 uh, to 100 A.D. Let's go with 100 A.D., okay? Um, back then, there was basically uh, was manuscripts. That's what they had. Um, they didn't have chapters and in, in, in verses earlier on. Those things came later. So when, you say, when I say turn to John chapter 5, the reason why we have chapters in there is because that came around 1200 A.D., okay? And then we can have, we have verse divisions. So you can go to John chapter 5, verse 3, or verse whatever, right? Those verse divisions came later as well, probably around 1550 A.D., okay? And there was a guy by the name uh, Erasmus. He was actually a, a Dutch man, and he is responsible for printing off our first Greek New Testament. He's responsible for printing off our first Greek New Testament. This is the same Greek New Testament that sparked the Protestant Reformation. So Martin Luther, John Calvin, these men had the same Greek New Testament that Erasmus printed off. I say that to say because as far as I know, Desert Springs Bible, you guys are not, you know, Greek Orthodox. You guys are not Roman Catholic, right? You guys come from the tradition or the stream of Protestants, right? The Greek New Testament that Erasmus printed off sparked that Protestant Reformation is why we are here today. 
I say that because that was based on six to eight handwritten manuscripts. I know today we like to text and to type and stuff like that. Back then, they actually had handwritten manuscripts. It was based off of six to eight manuscripts. Today, we have literally thousands upon thousands of manuscripts that have been, have been found and have been dated really, really early, some later. So I think we have about almost, almost about 6,000 manuscripts or portions of manuscripts, okay? So is it best to have less manuscripts or to have more manuscripts? Some of you guys may like less or whatever, but most scholars would say having more would be better because we have more uh, 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 information. We have more data, so to speak. So we can look at and compare the different handwritten manuscripts over time and get to the most possible reading of a text, okay? Again, just follow me for a second because I'm going somewhere with this. And I know, I know um, it may seem a little uncomfortable, but just know that having more manuscripts actually works in our favor, okay? It works in our favor. Now, most of you here have the Christian Standard Version of the Bible, the CSB, or maybe an English Standard Version, the ESV, um, but interestingly enough, the King James Version or the New King James Version actually has this verse in it. It has, let me read it to you because I don't, maybe, I don't think anyone here has a King James Version of the Bible. It says, for an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole and healed of their disease. Most scholars would argue that this particular verse is not in the earliest manuscripts that we now have. It probably was some type of marginal marking of some sort. So as the scribes were handwriting, you know, you ever been writing something and maybe on the right or left side of the column, you may put like a little comment or something like that, probably like a little marginal marking that later was inserted in. The reason why is because we have to make sense of verse 7. So look down at your Bibles and look at verse 7. We have to make sense of verse 7 because at least in this man's understanding, he thought he couldn't be healed unless an angel came down and stirred the water for him to get into the pool and be healed. So the verse 4, again, is trying to give some context of probably why, okay? But again, we want to be honest and say that's not in the earliest manuscripts. However, apparently there was a popular belief that angels came down to stir up the water and people were healed. One commentator says it this way, even if this verse was not in the original, however, it shows that there was a well-known popular hope that this particular pool was placed where God would heal individuals. Trust me, a lot more to be said <laughs> about that. But I just want to give you some rationale and some context to why there may be some discrepancies. But keep in mind, the slaves would have been reading, if they were able to read, or hearing, what version of the Bible? The King James, exactly. 
which this verse is contained in there, which inspired and gives reference to this Negro spiritual wade in the water. It has the idea that God is a healer. God is a healer. The North African church father, St. Augustine, he says this, commenting on John 5, he entered a place where lay a great multitude of sick folk, of blind, lame, withered, and being the physician, both of souls and bodies. I like that. Souls and bodies. Having come to heal all the souls of them that should believe of those sick folk, he chose one for healing. He chose the the man that was apparently lame and paralyzed for 38 years. And God healed them. Indeed, God is a, is a healer. The last lesson before we come to a close that we can learn from the spirituals is as you listen to the spirituals, listen, but, as, but looking to the character of God. As you listen to the spirituals, look to the character of God. What is God like? We see in Scripture and through this spiritual that God is, is love, he's, he's grace, he's, he's compassionate, he's, he's abounding and steadfast love, he is a deliverer, and he is a healer. I want to encourage you this morning, DSBC, that we can trust in God because he delivers. Amen? If you're here this morning and you're watching maybe even on the stream, and let's say you don't know God. Let's say you don't know the character of God. I submit to you that listening to these types of spirituals, you can encounter the character of God in a real meaningful way. The gospel is about good news. Good news to honestly to everybody. Because everybody is in need of saving. The world was created good, in fact, very good. But a small problem happened, or I should say a big problem happened. Sin entered into the world and corrupted everything. And then God in his grace and his mercy said that he would send a promised seed. Genesis 3, 15. He would send a promised seed to crush the head of the serpent. He would send this seed that will come to deliver to rescue anybody that is dealing with any type of issue. And the fundamental issue that we all have, as I said before, is that birth defect of sin. And if you cry out for help, if you cry out to the God that delivers, to the God that heals, he can indeed heal you. Through faith in the repentance and belief in a resurrected Christ, you can be healed. You can be delivered, and you can be like the people of Israel that feared God and trusted him in the midst of their situation. You can be like the slaves that feared and trust God in the midst of suffering and, 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 and chaos. The scandal of everything is how, can, how did slaves even believe in God despite everything that happened to them? We call that the sovereignty of God, the providence of God, the grace of God. Listen to the spirituals looking to the character of God and repent and believe in the gospel and the good news of salvation 
and the good news of the kingdom and the good news that the Messiah would come and save those in need of saving. So, DSBC, since my time is up, I want to encourage you as you, over the next week, few weeks, as you're in this series, and maybe even beyond this, maybe you want to do your own research into the spirituals. I want to encourage you to do that. But three lessons that I think we can learn from listening to the spirituals. Listen, knowing that you're going to get biblical knowledge, knowing that you're going to be infused and and saturated in Bible and, and Scripture. Listen to the spirituals with the heart and mind and the posture to fear God and trust him, even in the midst of whatever you may be going through today. And then listen to the spirituals looking to the character of God, his grace, his truth, his love, his compassion. Listen, look into the character of God. And the church said, amen. Amen. Let me pray. Father, we come before you thanking you for who you are, for what you have done, Lord, and what you will do in the future. We look to that day of the new heavens and the new earth where you will restore everything that has been broken. We see glimpses of your restorative nature your restoration. We see glimpses of that in the Bible. We see glimpses of that even today, Lord. But there's coming a day where it will be an ultimate restoration, a new creation, a new heavens, new earth, that anybody that places their faith and trust in you and you alone will be in that new heaven and new earth. I pray for anybody here right now that is struggling spiritually. They're on a spiritual journey. They have doubt. They've had trauma. They have had suffering and things that has happened to them that is difficult for them to believe in a God or whatever the case may be. I trust that you, your, your, your character will be revealed to them, that they can resonate with the slaves and see that your grace is sufficient and your character is good. Psalm 119.68, you are good and you do good, as the psalmist says. So I pray for all of us, Lord, to reflect your goodness, to believe in your goodness, and to believe in your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.